It's indiscreetly outside of battle and they're matching motors. Majestic Colour about to try and join in, coming after the leading pair. Then came Whitewater emerging to fourth. Tarek's head of the others and Lovin' to come at Big Odds down the outside. Battle and he has to lift because Majestic Colour went to him, went straight by him in one fell swoop. And soon afterwards, Ormond went for home on Majestic Colour. He looked home. Whitewater went to second. Tarex runs on. But Majestic Colour with 100 metres to go is well clear of his rivals and he'll rev up the guineas and win it easily. A horse who's gone through his classes and takes group three today. Big time Tarex in second. Rage in third. Whitewater fourth. Champagne pop from the back. Battled and knocked up. Then came Notions. Indiscreetly weakened as well. Then Rose of Dewport followed by Prince Alvey. Well back Lovin to Quo. Collet Spirit. Then came Master Marco and Sebring's Rose last. Bar one, Ashgrove tailed off in a gallop of 1.41.53. Majestic Colour winning the race. Kelly Schweder training and Jimmy Orman, who leads the, the premierships, was the winning rider. And Kelly's joining us as our first guest on Past the Post. Kelly, once again, good morning. Only a week ago we were talking to you after Eagle Farm and you've, you've struck gold yesterday. Yeah, I like talking to you on a Sunday morning. I always like talking to you. Can I say one thing? In this training business, there's obviously ups and downs, uh, pitfalls and, and good things along the way. But this horse in particular, or this assignment, let's call it that, you must be highly satisfied. You produced him in a maiden at an Eagle Farm in early May. He won. He went to a Class 1 at Ipswich. He went to a Class 2 at Doomman. <coughs> Bit of a step up yesterday, Group 3 against the three-year-olds, and he's coming through that with flying colours. So it's been a wonderful preparation. Yeah, and um, Judy Warnless bred this fella, and you know the Warnless family are, are very patient. He's a big, tall fella, good sort of a horse. They've just taken their time and allowed me to take my time in. That's the the beauty of it. And um, he had a couple of runs early in his sort of campaign, and he, you know he was big and sleeping a lot, so we just tipped him back out. And he's he's come through um, with flying colours. He, he's just as you say, he's progressing in the right way. He's exciting, isn't he, Kelly? And he looks like, I mean, obviously being a so you think and, and what have you, he looks like he would eat up 2,000 metres. So that gives you plenty of options for the future, doesn't it, in terms of, you know, where and how you place him? Yeah, look, um, you would think he'd run 2,000. Um, <clears throat> he can handle the wet, which is a big uh, asset nowadays. I mean, you know, most of the tracks um, from sort of February till June have been wet lately, so... Yesterday in running, you know, you, you, you sort of, you know, on a normal track, your skin would be crawling, being three and four wide. But on, on a on a heavy track, um, Jimmy was trying to get in, couldn't. So he just let him be comfortable. Look, it was a good effort. Watching the video, the second horse was a good effort too. He was three and four wide. Um, but all he can do is win, and he's progressing in the right way. What about uh, this horse's action? I, I must admit, the day he won a Dooman, I was watching the replay, and um, his, his action caught my attention. And Michael Maxworthy mentioned this as well when we were previewing the meeting yesterday. Just tell us about, uh, for people who you know, aren't as accustomed to understanding the, the, the thoroughbred, what, why is his action different, or what is different about his action to, to, to a normal action of a horse? And before you go, I might teach all mine to, to, to yeah. have his action, I think, the way he's going. Um, yeah, look, he sort of climbs, I suppose. Um, but each run is getting better. I don't know why horses do that. Um, when we're working them, we might put plates on the front and, and shoes on the back trying to, to teach them to sort of level out a bit. But I suppose it's just in his makeup. 
I think each run is getting a little bit better. Certainly yesterday I didn't notice it as much stable. Whether it was a heavy track, I don't know. But I think he's getting early days in his first trial and he was yeah, it was really pronounced. You could really sort of see it. But I thought he was better yesterday. As I say, I'm not sure whether it was a wet track. And, and you know, he seems to dig into the ground and, and he covers the ground. He's such a, a tall sort of horse and he's very athletic. I thought he probably looked as good as he looked yesterday. Kelly, you've had a fat end to the uh, Winter Carnival, haven't you? I mean, with this horse, horses like Tyressa and London Banker, uh, it's been a real fill-up for you at the end of the Carnival. I think pretty much the only two horses you haven't won with are the two that I backed a couple of weeks ago, but uh, yeah, that's, another, that's another story. But it's, it has really been a strong strong finish. You must be delighted just with the, the, the last few weeks. Well, I, I, I certainly am, but that means I had a lean run early. Um, <laughs> and, and if you could do me a favour and don't back my horses. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, look, winning the Cats Cup for Ron and Judy was great. Put a lot of work into that horse. I, I don't think he got through London Bank. He got through the track yesterday. You, you sort of plan these things sort of 12 months in advance and you don't allow for the wet weather. But uh, Jimmy Byrne was following London Bank and he thought he was just ploughing, trying to plough through the heavy going. But Tyressa was good last week. Um, yeah, look, you've got to you've got to get some of this Saturday prize money. The visitors get too much. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Again, you, you touched on this before, and I'm always interested in this because for people like ourselves who read form guides and study videos, and that's basically what we do, we don't get involved in the hands-on side of things, but I'm always interested in asking a trainer the development between one preparation and the next, particularly the first preparation and the second preparation. Now, this horse had two runs in December. He debuted on a heavy tenor doom and ran second, then he was midfield at the Sunshine Coast. I had a look at him just, you know, again, on the form and on the video and said, well, he's a, you know, a pass-mark maiden and then probably forgot about him because he went for a spell. But between December and when he returned in May, did this horse develop a lot? Yeah, look, he was always tall, David, but, I mean, I think it's more typical of the breed. Um he was sleeping a lot. We just wanted to educate him, um, just try and get his action a bit better. But, yeah, look, I think it has a lot to do with the breeding of the horses. Some of them just take time and they just need to mature, you know. It's just like like school kids, I suppose. Some of them are ready to run when they're 13 or 14 and the other ones sort of get going a bit later, you know. Um, it, it's all in their um, sort of attitude to, to um, how do I put it, sort of mature up. He was he was never going to run in an 800 metre race at at, at, um, at Ipswich. This type of horse, he, he was always going to take time, and you just got to have the owners to to give him the time. And I'm lucky enough to have that. Cal, what um, I mean, effectively, yesterday marked the end of the Winter Carnival. Outside of you know yeah. your achievements and what you've done, you're a keen observer of racing. What was your sort of highlight? I mean, Queensland had a very good Winter Carnival with uh, Desley Forster and and the last winning Group Ones. Was there something that stood out for you with this with this Winter Carnival? Oh, look, I'm just stoked that, that Desley can win a Group 1. That's the first Group 1. And, you know, Robbie Hughescoat winning that winner's stakes the other day. I mean, they're the, the, the Queensland trainers that put a lot of work in, you know. Um, we know we're up against it when all the visitors are coming, especially the mostly set weight races. So all that, they all get in good, those visitors. So for us to win as many as we did, I think we've done pretty well this year. Uh, and um, yeah, that, that, they're the highlights for me for for the Queenslanders that are you know 
I'm sort of there with most of them of the morning and I know how hard they all work. Well, all trainers work hard and all staff, but especially the Queenslanders are winning the races. I want to ask you a broader question before we let you go. Last Saturday, in fact, no, sorry, yesterday was marked the, the start of the increased prize money across the board. So a Metropolitan Bread and Butter race in Sydney is now worth $150,000. We're still sitting on $75,000, so the gap has increased. Do you see that as a concern going forward, that that gap has, has got a little bit larger? Oh, for sure, David. We've got to catch up, you know. Hopefully, um, you know, they, they put the point of consumption tax up. We've got to get a fair bit of that. Otherwise, you know, we have owners that want to send their horses away. And, yeah, of course, it's a, a concern. Um, yeah, and we need to... We're never going to be like New South Wales or Victoria, but we need to try and just keep up the pace. Otherwise, we'll, uh, everything's getting so dear, David, staff. Um, I, I just noticed every, everything, feed, everything's going up and up and up. So it, uh, if you want to keep owners in this, we've got to keep up with the prize money. Exactly right. And, and uh, the, the point you say, I'm interested there. I don't know what your staffing situation is. Is it, is it hard getting staff these days? I've been in business 50 years. I've never seen it so bad. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very important point. I mean, we're seeing this right across the board in society. I mean, you go to restaurants and the like, and they're have, having trouble getting staff. But that's a good point you made from the racing point of view. What, what can we do about it? What's, what's, is there a solution or what is the solution? Mm, no, a bit above my pay level, I think. I don't know. I mean, I think I'm working harder than I ever have. So, look, I don't, I don't know what the solution is. Um... We used to get a lot of kids in that from out west, you know, but they they don't seem to come anymore. Um, whether there's not, you know, there used to be a lot more racing, I suppose, out there. But um, I don't know what the solution is, David. To be honest, um, um, but we're 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 struggling with staff everywhere. Mm, no, point point well taken. And just on that prize money as well, uh, you know, I think the point is well made that. It's all right, you know, introducing slot races here, there and everywhere and increasing feature race prize money. The bottom line is, the bottom line is, you know, for most of the 52 weeks of the year, the races that are most, you know, frequently run races are Metropolitan Bread and Butter Saturday races, those $75,000 races. And that figure, I think, has to be looked at above anything else for the moment. I'm sure a lot of trainers and owners would agree with that because they're the ones you know, having the horses in for most of the year in those sort of races. Yeah, 100%. We, we've got to get that up, you know. So I'd have in all these big prize money races, you know, the Australia, but they normally get one from the Southerners. So um, we have to, to get our midweek prize money up and our Saturday prize money up. Appreciate your time this morning and continue the good work, mate. Thanks for that. Thanks, guys.